Well, again, good morning. I had a very interesting week this week. I got a call from my mom on Thursday. One of those calls that uh, you neither uh, expect or anticipate or really want to receive. Uh, she could she could barely um, introduce herself on the phone. She was crying so much, and as she caught her breath, I knew immediately that something was wrong. My dad's sister, my Aunt Priscilla, was uh, rushed to the hospital on this past Sunday, and uh, my mom got the call on Thursday that things were, were looking grim for my, my dad's second sister, Aunt Priscilla. I immediately drove in on Thursday night, spent the evening with my mom and dad just because I was worried about them and I love them. We've talked a lot together as a family here about my own dad and uh, the conversations that I've had with my mom and my dad. And I was prepared to bring them both to the hospital on Friday so that my dad could say goodbye to his sister. As we were uh, making our way to New Orleans on Friday morning, we got the call that my Aunt Priscilla took her last breath. May she rest in peace. Offering Mass today for uh, Aunt Bo, Aunt Priscilla, and for her entire family. If you look at the uh, Mass programs for today, the bulletin, go with me to page 12 in the Mass programs. Page 12 in the bulletin. You'll see there's the family there. Page 12. This photograph was taken in 1972 when my grandfather moved from South Down Plantation in Homa to his, uh, his estate in Thibodeau. You can see left to right the family lined up there. My Aunt Diana, she's the oldest. She's number one. She's to the far left. You can see, you may even remember that she died just this July 4th of this past year, just four and a half months ago, right? And already, you can see number two, Aunt Priscilla. She died Friday. Daddy's number three. Aunt Nanette's number four. She went to the Lord in 2018. Uncle Adonis, beautiful man, beautiful heart. He passed away in 2012. Uncle Al, Uncle Pete, they're still with us. Uncle Al's in Thibodeau. Uncle Pete's in Homa. And Aunt Esther, she was the first to go in 1985, flanked by Mama and Papa. That's my dad's family right there. And you can see Aunt Priscilla. May she rest in peace. She died on Friday. And so it's just been an interesting time in my family. And even now, as I mention the reality of, of death and the, the loss of someone in my family, I, I know that, that we're on sacred and holy ground because I know that a lot of us are either still dealing with uh, the ordinary grief of, uh, of losing those that we have loved or perhaps uh, we are in a season of, of caring for those who perhaps are in their latter chapters in life. But every one of us, every one of us has been touched by death. And every one of us is going to die. It's a sacred conversation today about perhaps the most important conversation that any of us could ever have. And I want to invite you in to a conversation together as we look at the reality of death and try to understand what's after death. 
our, our fear of death, the anxiety of death, our readiness from death is very much influenced by what we believe is going to happen after we die. If we live confident in the promise of everlasting life, then perhaps death has a little bit less of a sting. But if you've never asked yourself, what's going to happen after you die? I can't imagine what would be more important than doing that now. We need to ask ourselves, what's after our last day? Because at some point, it will be our last day. As I pray for my Aunt Priscilla today, I'm praying for you. And I want to invite you into a conversation with me. Over the next four weeks, you and I together are going to take a look at death, dying, and everything that's after. Heaven, hell, purgatory, the second coming, judgment. Hopefully we can answer some questions for you. Hopefully you can join me in the conversation. Today we start a new teaching called What's Next so that we can be prepared now and not be afraid about what's next. Why would we want to have this conversation now? Well, because as we look at the end of our life, we are ending a liturgical year. Not to get too far into the details, but as Christmas is just around the corner, the church marks time by the life of Jesus, not by the calendar of January to December. And as we anticipate Jesus' birth, the beginning of his life, and therefore Advent, which prepares us for the beginning, a new church year is beginning. And that means the current church year that we find ourselves now in is ending. And every year in November, as we look at the end of a church year, the Bible readings at Mass point us to the end of our lives and the end of the world, the end times. Appropriate for us to talk about the end as we are ending a church year and hearing the Bible speak to us about the end. So again, we start a four-week series today entitled What's Next, where we're going to take a look at uh, four different topics. Today we're going to talk about dying, and next week we're going to talk about judgment. The third week we are going to talk about heaven, hell, and purgatory. And in the final week we are going to talk about the second coming. So join me together now. Go with me to page 14 in the Mass program, page 14 in the bulletin. Each week as we are together in this series, we're going to ask three questions. This week, we're going to ask three questions about death. Number one, what is death? Number two, why do we die? And number three, what can we learn from death? Again, each week, we're going to ask three questions. And this week, as we peer into the reality of death, our three questions are, what is death? Why do we die? And what can we learn from death? So let's jump in together. First question, why, what is death? Well, death is the end of our earthly life, right? It's not the end of our everlasting or eternal life, but it is the end of our earthly life. And to, for us to best understand death, we need to more clearly understand life. Let me say it again. For us to understand death, we need to do uh, a, little, a little work right now to understand life. I want you to think right now about um, what are you going to eat for lunch after Mass today. Just think about that right now. What are you going to eat for lunch after Mass this morning? OK, 
Okay, here's, here's another thought. I want you to think about this right now. If you could eat anything in the world for lunch today, what would you want? If you could eat anything in season from anywhere in the world, no expense spared. If you could eat anything, what would you want? Now, you're going to eat lunch today and you're going to put that physical material food in your physical material body. You can touch your body. You can smell the food. You can taste the food. It's going to be inside your body. You can touch your body. That's a material thing. Let me ask you this. What is your thought made out of? You just had one. You know you had one. You know your experience is real. You just had a thought. You're going to eat this. You had a desire. You want to eat this. What are those things made out of? Right? So you can just trust your experience. And what you know is true about you is that you have an aspect of your life, which is material and physical, right? That's your body. And you have an aspect of your life, which is immaterial, or spiritual, and that is the thought that you just had and the desire that accompanied it. You and I, as a human person, are not merely an animal. We're not merely a body. You and I, as a human person, as the Catechism says, are both corporal and spiritual. Right? So when God designed us, God designed us as a a beautiful and intentional communion of a body and a soul. You have a material body, but you have an immaterial quality to your existence, right? Your thought, your desire just now, you can't touch that. It's immaterial, but you know it's true, right? So you have a part of your existence on earth, which is spiritual, and that is in this beautiful communion with your body, bodily, right, which is material. Now, what we know is that the body is perishable. On this Sunday morning, I know that the body, that sacred, beautiful body of my Aunt Priscilla is right now in New Orleans. And I know that that body is already beginning in its natural progression to perish, Our bodies are perishable, but our souls are imperishable, right? So this this morning, as we heard from the first reading from the Book of Wisdom, we heard God that that as the, the author is speaking about God, he says, for your imperishable spirit is in all things. That's from the first reading today, from the 12th chapter of the Book of Wisdom. Right, so God's nature is imperishable. The spirit, our souls are imperishable. They're in our bodies which are perishable, right? Which means our souls are not going to die. Our souls are going to live forever. The question is where? What does that look like? We're all going to live forever somewhere. The question is, do you know where you're heading? Right? So in death, there is the separation of the body and the soul. The perishable body and the imperishable soul are separated at death. So death in some way is the end and in some way death is the beginning. Death is the end of our earthly existence, but death is also 
the beginning or a transition to a new beginning into a place prepared for us, at least, in eternal life. Let me give you an example for those of you who are moms here or those of you who are parents here. I haven't met a mom ever who at the end of nine months of pregnancy was surprised at what happened when her water broke. Right? Every one of us knows that pregnancy without birth doesn't necessarily lead to its natural course. Now again, not only are we on sacred ground today as we talk about death, I have a great reverence for all of those of us who are still grieving the loss of someone in our life, but even using the image of pregnancy with your permission, I also know that we're on sacred ground because not all of those conceptions have led to birth. I know that some of us here have experienced even death in the womb, and, and I know that we're on sacred ground, but, but stay with me, please, stay with me. Just for a moment, let's look at the analogy. In God's original plan, right, pregnancy is supposed to lead to birth. Pregnancy without birth doesn't make sense. None of us are surprised when at the end of the temporary nine-month period that new life is given to a child outside of the womb. Now, psychologists say that one of the most traumatic things that you and I will ever experience in our lives is the actual birth process. Believe it or not, um, that no child wants to come out of its mother's womb, right? The transition from that temporary existence into something a little bit more, you might say, permanent, quote-unquote, is a traumatic transition. However, life on the other side of the womb is better. The baby can see its mother eventually. It can hear its mother without the filter of the womb. It can feel its mother's presence. It can feel love, right? Life is better on the other side of the womb. However, the transition from that temporary time of pregnancy to a more long-term time of life is traumatic. And the same is true with life. Pregnancy without birth doesn't make sense, and life without death doesn't make sense. Just as pregnancy is a temporary existence that leads to something greater, our life on earth is temporary that's supposed to lead to something greater. And if we know where we're heading, then we don't have to be afraid on the way to get there. In fact, death can actually teach us something. First question that we ask today is, what is death? Second question is, why do we die? Right, that's a great question. Why do we die? Well, we die basically because of the, the of original sin, right? So death in the beginning, God, when he created Adam and Eve in the garden, Genesis chapter 1 and 2, right? Adam and Eve with, with, let's just say, if original sin had never entered the equation, Adam and Eve at the end of their earthly life would have transitioned into heaven exactly like the Blessed Mother did in her assumption, right? The transition from earth to heaven would not have been as traumatic as we experience it now with death. In Genesis chapters 1 and 2, before the fall, Adam and Eve, and God's original plan, death did not exist. But we know from the scriptures that, that, that death is a consequence of sin. 
So why do we die? Well, it's not that we die because um, God never intended us for us to live in heaven. God always wanted us to be with him forever. We were never supposed to live on earth forever. But we experience the transition from earth to everlasting life as death because of sin. So we die because of a consequence of sin, although we were always going to be destined for everlasting life in heaven. Right? So why do we die? Well, because that's how God designed us to live with him forever in heaven. And our transition there is a consequence of sin. But we're never supposed to live on earth forever. Right, St. Paul says that in the New Testament, in the book of Philippians, chapter 3, he says that our, our citizenship is in heaven. What does St. Paul say? He says well, our real citizenship is not on earth, it's in heaven. Let me give you an analogy. Many of you here today uh, have a second home here in Grand Isle. Your primary home is somewhere else, maybe Homa or Thibodeau, New Orleans, Lafayette, Baton Rouge, wherever your primary home is, you have a second home here in Grand Isle. Many of you are blessed enough like me to live in paradise, right? And, and if that's you, if you're a full-time resident of the island, forgive the analogy, but let's just talk to the camp owners for a second. You have a temporary residence in Grand Isle on the weekends, but your full-time residence is somewhere else. And you are a quote-unquote citizen of Grand Isle for a temporary time, but your citizenship is in somewhere else permanently, right? Does that make sense? St. Paul is saying the same thing. We're not supposed to be citizens on earth forever. We're going to live somewhere else. He says our true citizenship is supposed to be in heaven. And that's where we're trying to get. Right? So the first question we ask today is, what is death? The second question we ask is, why do we die? And the third question that we ask today is, what can we learn from death? What can we learn from death? Death teaches us three things, if we have the courage to learn from it, right? Death teaches us that there is more to life than life. (laughs) There's more to life than earth. There's more to life than this material world. And you and I have spent lots of time, especially this past summer, talking about um, the indications in our life that we are trying to exhaust all of our ultimate fulfillment on earth from the things of the world. But death teaches us that our imperishable soul which is going to live forever somewhere, cannot be satiated and quenched and fulfilled by the things of a temporary earth. You're always going to be hungry. You're always going to be searching for more. You're always going to desire something else while we are here on earth because we, you might say, have a a God-sized appetite within us that cannot be quenched or fulfilled by the things of the world. So the first thing that death teaches us is that because we're not supposed to live on earth forever, we're not supposed to be fulfilled by earth. Number two, death teaches us that there's something about living now that is preparing us for living later. Let me say that again. Death teaches us that there is something about living now that is preparing us for living later. When when I use my phone and I don't know where I'm going, and I open up the Maps app on my phone, 
the, the app doesn't work unless I give it the inevitable destination. I have to know where I'm going in order for the phone to tell me how to get there. Let me say that again. Unless we know where we're going, we don't often know how to get there, right? Death teaches us about something living now that's preparing us for living later. In other words, if I know where I'm heading, well, then I know how to prepare to get there. But if I don't know where I'm heading in life, then it's easy to get lost along the way. And death tells me that I'm not going to live on earth forever. I'm going to live somewhere. So I need to live now in such a way that I'm going to get to where I'm supposed to go. And if I know where I'm heading, I want to be in heaven, then I need to make choices now in order to get there. First thing that death teaches us is that there's more to life than earth. Second thing that death teaches us is that there's something about living now that is preparing us for living later. And the third thing that death teaches us is that there's something freeing about learning how to die, how to let go. Now again, I know I'm on sacred and holy ground as we talk about death because I know a lot of us are grieving. I don't say learning how to die flippantly. But in the, in the dying, there is the letting go, ultimately, of life itself. See, death teaches us how to let go. And there's something freeing about letting go. Especially when you, you're older in life and you've made a lot of mistakes and you've kind of lived in the wreckage of your own sin and your own frailty. Right? Death teaches us how to let go of resentment, letting go of control, letting go of expectations, letting go of, of addictions, letting go of fear, letting go of unforgiveness. Right? All those things that hold us bound in our own self-made prisons, death can teach us that we need to let go. The spiritual writers talk about dying to self. And the faster that we die to self, the easier it is for us to live in God here on earth as we anticipate being with him forever in heaven. So we don't have to be afraid of death. Death teaches us that there's more to life than this world can offer. Death teaches us that there's something about living now that is preparing us for living later. And death teaches us that there's something freeing about learning how to die. Are you ready? Because at some point it's going to be your last day. And please God, we're not caught off surprise. I have great hope that my Aunt Priscilla was ready. May she rest in peace. And I want to be ready. But if we don't ask the question about where we're heading, then how can you be ready? And if you've never asked the question about what's next, then please, God, the first time we ask that is not when we show up before the Lord on Judgment Day. Are you ready? Have you thought about it? Where are you heading? We're all going to live forever somewhere. Where are you going to live? And how do you know that for sure? What's next? 
What's next is next week we'll talk about judgment. The week after that we'll talk about heaven, hell, and purgatory. And the week after that we'll talk about the final judgment. If you look in the mass program, again on page 12, you'll recognize that I have given you a great resource that I would encourage you to look at. It's a resource from Dr. Brent Petrie entitled uh, Life After Death, a Bible study about the seven last things. That's on page 13 in the bulletin, page 13. If you're hungry for more, go to that resource to learn more. If you're hungry to learn more about what the final judgment looks like and our particular judgment, then come back next week. Let's prepare our souls now for the gift of the Eucharist. Let's prepare our souls together as we ask, what's next?